0: Isn't going. To... <laughs> <Ooh>. Okay. <laughs> Listeners turn up your volume. Lara, say that again. Okay. So your highest performing body is most likely oftentimes not your leanest body. Boom. So. End of story. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's a big misconception too. Cause when we talk about like high performing athletes, you're not always going to look like, you know, that body. <laughs> I mean, you're not gonna look like that bodybuilder. Um, or, you know, that shredded IG. In
1: progress. Welcome back to another very exciting episode of the fitness lying down podcast. You're right, it is Megan The Trainer, registered dietitian coming back for another nutrition takeover of our podcast this week. And joining me this week, I know, bummies, you're not getting me all to yourself this time, but joining me this week is a classmate of mine when I was at school at Viterbo. Her name is Lara, and so she graduated with me back in 2021. It seems like crazy that that was already two years ago, but anyway, she is officially a registered dietitian continued her education after graduating at the University of Mississippi for her master's in food and nutrition services, and she's actually going to be going back for her PhD in nutrition while working, um, as a doctoral research assistant and a dietitian for the ROTC program. So a lot of her interests, um, in when it, ter- when it comes to nutrition is in tactical athletes, disordered eating, and some research things. So Lara, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, <laughs> so exciting to be on. Thanks for inviting me, Meg. Yeah it's so good to see you again before we hit record we were just reminiscing about how crazy life has changed since graduating so but you're back in Minnesota for the summer
0: yes I am yep I'm visiting home which is really nice to just kind of take a breather after you know school and just see family and friends again so it's been really great being home
1: yeah awesome awesome so Tell us a little bit, Lara, but what kind of got you interested in the field of nutrition and dietetics?
0: Ooh, this is good. Cause I actually had a big passion for nutrition early on. It was, I was reflecting on it and it was back in like eighth grade that I realized I wanted to, you know, do anything I could to be a good athlete. So I always was a three sport athlete throughout high school. Um, soccer was my main passion. So really young, I was just like, okay, what can I do to improve my game as a soccer player? So that's when I got into, you know, learning about what foods could fuel my body. That's also when I got into weightlifting. I joined track so I could be faster for soccer. Like it all revolved around soccer and like what I could do to be a better soccer player. Um, So yeah, it was about eighth grade. I really started diving more into nutrition. And then it wasn't until I was about a sophomore in high school that I learned what a dietitian was. I knew I wanted to do something in nutrition. And um I told one of my teachers that. And he told me what a dietitian was. And I was like, oh, that's that's it. That's what I'm gonna be. And I've just ran with that since. And I'm kind of blessed for that because I know a lot of people have, you know, a hard time figuring out what they want to be when they grow up. Um, but for me, it's really been a good fit. Um, just obviously with my passion in nutrition, but um then having the sports side of it too and being a previous athlete. Um obviously throughout high school, but then into college too. Um, it's been really amazing too.
1: Yeah, that is super cool. I did not know that it was been like deep inside you since like eighth grade. So I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I liked how you just said like it, everything like revolved around soccer. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah. I was like obsessed with it since I was young. So yeah, it was, it was suiting, but you know, then also too, I mean, I think dietitians go through it too, of like, when you're trying to learn what is like healthy and like, what is proper nutrition, can um, yeah. a little skewed, especially if you're getting it from like social media or like yeah. <laughs> other things. So I really didn't learn proper fueling until my degree. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a whole other thing too, though, but, um, also just motivating to like help educate young athletes because, you know, we want to make sure they're getting their information from a reliable source.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That similar for me. I feel like that was kind of the thing that pulled me to like officially get a degree in nutrition and dietetics instead of just doing either research on my own or a different certification or something like that. Um, because I wanted to get it like straight from the horse's mouth. I wanted to get right to it. And, um, yeah, I guess just kind of also have like the full authority, just like you were saying of now you can go back and talk to, you know, high school athletes and help them maybe write some wrongs that you learned throughout the way. So very cool. I know. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of how
0: I got into it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Cause yeah. And so I also should preface that Lara played soccer for the turbo as well. You did that all four years, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Nice. Nice.
0: A little bit of a COVID year, uh, the senior, but you know, we still get to
1: play some (laughs) (laughs) some soccer. (laughs) Yes. Little asterisk to that, but uh, in theory, in theory. So, yeah. So you, you brought up a point of, you know, you really like started to learn and understand nutrition when you were actually like in school for it. So Mm -hmm. what were some of those, like, if you can name like one or two different things that like, kind of either like really shook your world or kind of surprised you based on what you had learned like in high school and then now when you're in the program. Mm,
0: that yeah that was actually really monumental in just my shift of thinking of, you know, food and you know, exercise, activity, all of those things um because in high school, you know, when I say I got into nutrition in 8th grade, like I was downloading my fitness pal, I was all into my macros and those things and unfortunately I think there was a lot of underfueling going on throughout high school and everything because I was labeling things, you know, clean and bad and those types of things. So then when we're in our degree, um, I think one of the biggest things for me, was you know finding that all foods can fit and really just learning like the chemistry and my I have such a science brain for dietetics I always say (laughs) I wish I was like a dietitian who was like good at cooking and things like that I cook very simply because I like the science of food and nutrition Um, but anyway I so I really like the science of it and just learning how all the food works in our body and so um, you know not labeling things good or bad was also helpful for myself and then also just knowing that I'm going to become a dietitian and helping other people with, you know, maybe disordered eating or eating disorders. It's important for me to check, you know, how I grew up and how I perceive food um, before I can help other people in that realm too. Um, But I, I would say like the most monumental thing, I remember we were sitting in a class in junior year, I think it was junior year, maybe sophomore year, but we were going over disordered eating and eating disorders. And the term orthorexia came up and it was like obsessive health and nutrient or, you know, obsessive um, disorder over, you know, health in general, whether that's nutrition or exercise. And I remember looking at one of my friends and I was like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like, you know, kind of checking ourselves a little bit or like for me, checking myself a little bit. um, But I know a lot of dietitians can go through um just things like that of maybe getting so narrowed down to what is health and you know then it becomes unhealthy to the point of obsessing over um clean eating or nutritious foods in general um so that was definitely i think one of the biggest shifts for me um and then changing some of my lifestyle around that too
1: yeah absolutely i know i think going through school to be a dietitian is It can be like a two-edged sword of like, it's really empowering to learn all this. And it's really cool. Just like you said, like, I feel like I too, like totally jive on like the science of like, wow. So like when we eat cornflakes, it breaks down into these six chain glucose molecules. And then that cycles through the Krebs cycle and blah, 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 you know, mitochondria somewhere in there. And, uh, (laughs) but at the same time you know, because food is super important for our health, it can be an easy thing to like, Like, it's kind of like, once you know it, you can't unknow it. Like, I know like what the nutrition facts is of this triple scoop ice cream cone. Um, I know what the impacts could potentially be if I did this every day. And, but it's all about, and I think And I think you kind of mentioned that too, of just like finding that balance of respecting the science, respecting the understanding, but Mm -hmm. then also, you know, having it still support your health, still support your life, um, without getting all caught up in it. But yeah, orthorexia, man, that is a messy one to unpack.
0: Right. And then you think about it and, and I worked with the athletes for the past two years at Ole Miss and then reflecting as my time as an athlete, um, and, you know, recreational athlete, collegiate athlete, any athlete you're working with, they have such a winning mentality of like, OK, what do I need to do to be a great athlete and excel? And you're going to do exactly that. And from my personal experience, I focus so much on that nutrition component because that's also what I was learning and what I could control, basically, because, you know, there's a lot of things outside of your control, but things that you can't control like diet, sleep um, strength training, that kind of stuff, um, was also just like something to put into perspective when now working with athletes. Okay. They have a very winning mentality. You know, these D1 athletes want to excel and do whatever they can to be the best. Um, just maneuvering a little bit of that, um, nutrition advice, obviously, so that, um, it doesn't develop into disordered eating patterns, if that makes sense.
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Cause yeah, like you just mentioned it, it, you kind of straddle a fine line of, we need to be nitty gritty and we need to be detailed with some of this because, again, from an athlete's perspective, this can heavily impact your performance. Right. And for a lot of like, again, with you working with collegiate athletes, this is what your scholarship is writing on. This is what your potential career Is riding on this is, you know, if you do get into professional athletics, this is your career. So like, you can't just do this for fun. Like you have to be serious and you have to be regimented. So it can present an environment that can make it easy to get sucked down into that kind of like diet culture obsession, um, disordered eating kind of path. Um, but yeah, but again, it's also just reminding yourself that we also have one life to live. So let's, (laughs) let's give ourselves some grace and some compassion, um, make the most of it. Yes, we can control some of these things, but you know, what is worth controlling still too. Exactly.
0: And I, I could go, you know, off on a whole other thing about this too, but just like, you know, having low energy availability or not eating enough calories to even support because we're so nitty gritty into the nutrition. Overall, we need enough to just support the excessive amount of activity you're doing. But then, you know, there's a bunch of calories and energy needed for just daily bodily functions, like your heartbeat, your digestion, all of these other things we need a lot of energy for. So making sure we're at least hitting enough energy and then we can look into, okay, those macro and micronutrients too, um, just to avoid, you know, bone injuries, loss of period, all of those kinds of things. Super important.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's, that's kind of the same protocol, if you will, <laughs> that I follow with a lot of clients is like, okay, let's tell me about what the the current lay of the land looks like. Give me a setting, tell me what, what's happening, what's going good, what's not going good. Um, and that is a big common thing that I hear is like, I'm tired, I'm fatigued, you know, I'm trying to come into the gym. I'm doing three group training sessions a week. And then I do my own thing on the outside, but I just feel tired and I'm not making the same gains. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, looking at calories, this is always like such an eye-opening process with clients um, because, you know, I usually will calculate out again. I always preface just calculating this is not Mm -hmm. we're not going to we're going to take these with a grain of salt. Um, But uh, but yeah, like, okay, you need a lot of energy. You need a lot of energy just to be alive. And you're doing your body a disservice if we're not even fueling some of those basic functions, let alone you now coming into the gym and doing another workout. So have you had some of those kinds of hard conversations with athletes um, at Ole Miss too? Um,
0: Yeah. So I've definitely had conversations with athletes, ROTC athletes, you know, um, whichever athlete it is, you know, at that level, definitely, especially because, they're also full-time college students, yeah. <laughs> full-time wow. college students transitioning to maybe living in a dorm or living with their friends. Maybe they're, you know, hours away from home and they're trying to cook their own meals. Um, and then also just the transition, especially for freshmen coming out of high school sport, I'm like, Hey, you are expending a lot more than you were in high school. So we can't eat like you were in high school. We're going to have to increase that. Um, and then I worked with a lot of female athletes primarily too. So, You know, talking through, you know, body image, the diet culture norms, what society says you should look like or eat like as an athlete as well, too. Um, So kind of taking into all of the factors of, you know, their living situation, their financial situation, um, what society kind of pressures athletes to look like or be like. Um, Is something that we talk about a lot too, and then also just this age group, you know, TikTok and Instagram and all the things. (laughs) Um, You know, someone's what I eat in a day is being posted like by a social by like a social media influencer, and I'm like, Uh... guys, you you need way more than whatever they're posting because that can be biased. That could just be promoting something. And you know, if they're showing a six pack or like you know a slim stomach or something right before showing you what they eat, like it's not helpful.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so really just driving home the message like you need a lot more than you think we're transitioning Mm -hmm. like you're an elite athlete you're not going to eat the same as someone you know an average human posting what they do on social media so um, definitely some of those conversations but you know taking them you know how it's received by that athlete too because that's also where motivational interviewing comes in and um, based on the individual too so
1: Yes. Good old am I. And that's the thing that I remind (laughs) clients of too, is like, we can go through all of these numbers and we can talk about like what a meal quote unquote should look like. What a snack should kind of look like to kind of roughly get you on average within your ballpark needs. But at the same time too, like you just said, you know, if you're a student and you're living in the dorms you know what does your school schedule look like? Can you get to the calf on time? You don't know what things might necessarily be in the calf meals, so like, how do you flex that? Or you know, maybe you do have an apartment, but you don't have a job, so you you have a grocery budget, and so you can't have some of those you know same things that maybe you had at home. So. So yeah, that's where I feel like if I've had clients again say like, oh my god, just write me a meal plan. Just tell me what to eat for breakfast, lunch and supper and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. in theory, I literally can do that. It would take me a very long time to figure it all out. But, <laughs> but at <laughs> right. the same time it is not going to be realistic because you can maybe stick to it for like a day and then another day is going to happen and other life is going to happen essentially. And you're not going to be able to stick to it. And everything is contingent on you following all of those steps. So I would rather just teach you the essence of, okay, we need a protein source. We need some kind of a starchy carb before your workout. We need, you know, keep it low fiber. We don't want anything, you know, super GI disruptive right before you're going to do a workout session. Let's Save that for your after <laughs> Right. Um, yes. or like a recovery day or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I feel like that's always like a big myth that I oftentimes will dispel to. So, but yeah, okay. so we, you, we talked about, you know, not only just fueling yourselves appropriately, but then yes, now we have these macros and things. So what kind of like myths or misconceptions have you kind of run in along the way, either in your own experience from doing your own things nutritionally, or that you saw with the athletes that you worked with?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of, I think we can all see that carbs get a bad rap. Um, hopefully it's like dwindling down. I haven't seen as much of it, but you know, the whole, um, you know, keto or low carb, those types of things, um, definitely are something that's been a challenge in the recent years. Um, just with, you know, social media or liver king, whoever it is, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, you know, just having that no carb mentality, because um, that's definitely a myth because our body needs carbohydrates as our main source of energy. Um, you know, our brain is using 120 grams of carbohydrates or glucose each day, which is equivalent to like eight slices of bread. I tell some people yeah. that and they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, that's just your brain. So <laughs> um, our brain loves glucose. Um, you know, our body needs it, especially for performance. Um, so having those kinds of conversations with the athletes of like, Hey, your muscles are using up a lot of carbs, which, you know, we also have the conversation of what is carb. Okay. is Same thing as sugar and glucose and those kinds of things. Um, so anyway, using carbs um a lot during exercise. And then just um, you know, adjusting it through individual goals. Um, also if there's body composition goals on off season, those types of things. But like overall, I'd say like carbs are so necessary in our diet. So that's obviously one big myth that you've probably seen too. Um, and it's like, you know, your brain, your body's gonna feel so much better if we just incorporate some carbohydrates. Absolutely. we uh, just more carbohydrates. Cause also sometimes, you know, when people think they're doing low carb or keto, it's like, Oh, there's actually carbs in a lot of things that you might mm-hmm. not know. So now you're really just on a low carb diet. Um, and that's why you have low energy and maybe a little bit of brain fog too, and stuff like that. Um,
1: yeah. So yeah, I feel I'm like saying, with carbs yeah. for, for clients that I see too, is like, okay, yes. Again, carbs in our society, we live in a very carb-dominant society, so it can be very easy to overdo it, mm-hmm. but we don't need to like completely counter and swing in the absolute opposite direction. So let's be smart about what carb choices we're picking. Let's be smart about how we're structuring our meals. Um, you know, that kind of thing. So that way, again, people are sometimes like, uh, oh, I can't have pasta anymore. I can't have bread. And usually I say, says who? And they're like, well, says me. And I'm like, well, why? Um, And then they're just kind of like, I guess I've never really questioned that. like, you can have all of these things, but again, let's just be smart about it. So it's all about the
0: intentionality and like, what's the goal? What are we doing here? For sure. Mm -hmm. It's good Mm -hmm. to challenge that mindset. (laughs) Um, For sure. I would say the other myth or big misconception that I've, you know, Challenge not only in myself, but in the athletes too, just in this, you know, culture we're in, um, is that your highest performing body may not be your leanest, um, or just equating that like leanness isn't going.
1: <laughs> <Ooh>. Okay. <laughs> Listeners turn up your volume. Lara say that again.
0: Okay. So your highest performing body is most likely oftentimes not your leanest body. Boom. Period. So- End of story. Exactly. (laughs) And so that's a big misconception too, because when we talk about like high performing athletes, you're not always going to look like, you know, that body, I mean, you're not going to look like that bodybuilder, um, or, you know, that shredded IG photoshopped, whatever. Um, so that's just another important one to talk about too. So, um, like I said, also working with predominantly females, but also in males too, you know, trying to figure out as a D1 elite athlete, how we can you know achieve high performance but then they also have maybe like this pressure from society or family or friends or just their own personal experiences of wanting to look a certain way we need to talk about how those might look different than what they had coming in with a preconceived idea
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and I usually remind clients of like you know somebody is being maybe nostalgic of like oh Oh, back when I was XYZ, I looked this way and I I felt so much better in my body, I was more social, blah blah blah. So then sometimes I'm like, so it sounds like using some motivational interviewing, it Good sounds up. like you don't actually miss being at that weight, you missed the experiences that you had. So how can we give you those same experiences now, even though you might not be in that same body, because that's way easier to do. And just because we get back to that same body size does not mean that those experiences will come back as well. Um, so, so yeah, so I think that's a big eye opener. And then the other thing too, especially for clients who don't want to see any of their strengths, diminish because they're changing up their lifestyle. They're like, Oh, but when I come into the gym, like my workouts are suffering. And I'm like, that's what happens if you're like really pushing yourself into a deep caloric deficit. So which one do you want? Um, because sometimes these are not going to jive on the same path and that's okay. You can pick one and that's acceptable, but we have to be at peace with the pros and cons that usually follow.
0: I love everything you just said with that. That is so good.
1: (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh yes. So if only we could run the world and change everything in this our podcast.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, and then also to just like overcomplicating it because then like you said yeah. like okay, well if I can't eat carbs, I'm not going to eat any carbs and then if I, you know, can't have this, then I'm going to just completely deep dive into a caloric deficit.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Um so I would say having grace with yourself, not overcomplicating it. We need you know, we need meals, we need three meals a day and um, you know, snacks and all those types of things because like we talked about earlier, like calories aren't just used for your workout, they're for helping you live.
1: Yeah. Yes, fulfilling
0: life, you know, have yes, joy.
1: Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And I think that's really difficult, especially specifically in like professional athletics, you know, because again, you're so focused on being this athlete and you forget that you can't be a professional athlete into your 80s 90s you know years old um there's going to be an end to that and so are we setting yourself up for you know good success when you're when you retire or when you're done with school um i feel like at fld it's kind of you know different because now a lot of the clients that we serve are kind of already on that of just like i'm looking at this for longevity purposes i am making a lifestyle habit that's kind of the things that i'm searching for but again still sometimes we can lose sight of that big farther target for the sacrifice of what we can enjoy in the immediate kind of thing too. Most definitely. And that's amazing
0: that, you know, you guys work on the functionality and just like the longevity of movement in general, because especially as an athlete, and if it is, you know, their full-time career, even just, you know, while they're in college, um, it's, it's a lot of strain on your body and the identity that you wrap up in your sport can be difficult to transition out of, um, when that's no longer the case, when you're no longer, you know, classified as that athlete, you know, you can always be an athlete and train like an athlete afterwards, but that identity that you wrap up in sport can be, um, difficult to transition out of. If you don't have something like, you know, the, um, movements that you guys do and things like that, um, can I know be difficult for, you know, I experienced that as an athlete, but also yeah. the I talk to like, you know, your identity isn't just your sport. You're also a brother, you're a daughter,
1: yeah, um, you're a friend, you're
0: an aunt, you have so many other roles in life. And so um how can we also translate healthy movement and healthy nutrition habits um so you can live that long fulfilled life? Um
1: yeah, absolutely, hundred <laughs> percent. So. Uh, Well, thank you for sharing some of your uh, bits of information that you learned from that whole sport nutrition side of things. So as a summary, again, based on the things that I heard anyway, is you're probably not eating enough, keep it simple and remember the big picture. All right. So listeners keep those three things in mind. Um, so, so Lara, and as we were talking before we started this podcast, you had shared that, you know, you're going back now for your PhD. You know, That's boy. so exciting. And you're doing some more things with like ROTC. So tell me a little bit more about, you know, what kind of got you involved with that and what kind of pulled you down that path.
0: Oh, yes. Um so I just completed my masters and for my masters to be completed I need to complete a thesis research. Um so Typically, working as a sports nutrition graduate assistant, um, you typically would do research with one of your athletic teams. Um, and I, you know, of course, loved all my athletic teams, wanted to do research in them, but I also had this just driving, you know, passion to want to also work um, with some military personnel um, or tactical athletes. And my long term goal reflecting, you know, just thinking of the path I want to take, college athletics has been fantastic. I see myself landing more in the tactical field. So I knew I'd want to expand my um, areas of working in, I suppose. So since I'm already getting that collegiate athlete experience with the teams, I wanted to expand out to also work with ROTC to to get that military experience. So I did my research this past um, year with ROTC, measuring their nutrition knowledge, getting to know the cadets um the lieutenants everyone involved there um it was super fulfilling just to provide some sort of nutrition education to the ROTC cadets because they didn't have a dietitian and so that was also really exciting to kind of fill that gap of something that they were missing and so that also shed light on the fact that these are tactical athletes ROTC has um body composition standards um physical fitness yeah. standards to meet and they don't have a dietitian to work with. So that's where my research kind of drew some light in the area of not only their low nutrition education scores, but also just that need that um, we should probably be supplying one for them. So this past semester, I've been able to um, tie in some other programs like athletic training, exercise science, um, and just kind of get everyone on the same page of, hey, ROTC, these are our leaders for our military when they graduate after
1: yeah.
0: these so we want to set them up for success also during because if they aren't meeting those body composition or physical fitness standards they can lose their scholarship and not fulfill the program either so you know we want to set all of these collegiate athletes up for success and so i got to kind of work with a bunch of different departments to set up for this next coming year to provide them more resources and so I'm really excited because we'll, you know, have some physicals to do with them, but then also just have the time allowed, um, to provide more nutrition resources for the cadets, um, throughout my next few years there too. And then we're also going to just keep doing research on them because it's a very under-researched population and
1: yeah. um,
0: in military in general. Unfortunately, a lot of, um, research isn't as full in that area, I should say, but you know, with the prevalence of eating disorders and, you know, maybe failing body comp or failing physical fitness tests um, and just health and disease states in general. Um, It's just such a needed um, area of research. So I'm really passionate about it. I'm really excited to get started with it um, this coming fall.
1: Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, well, and like you just kind of brought up, like this is obviously an area where there is a lack. Like you said, like if you have all of these health standards, but yet you don't have anybody like on staff, so to say to help. I mean, yes, of course, there's probably different trainers and things that can help them, you know, lead them through different things. But at the same time, like nutrition is a huge piece of that, as we both know. Um, But yeah, so super cool that you're able to kind of expand in that realm. Um, Just backing up a little bit. Tell us what is ROTC? and what does that kind of, how does that connect to the military?
0: For sure. So ROTC is the Reserve Officers Training Corps. And so basically it's one of the routes that, um, people who are interested in the military can take to become, um, a military officer. I'm glad you asked that. Cause I actually <laughs> was thinking that as I was talking about it, I was like, I wonder if people <laughs> know what ROTC is, but yes. So that is basically a route that, um, people can take to become military leaders. And so to be a military leader, you need a four-year education. So that's why it's incorporated to a lot of four-year universities like Ole Miss. Um, And so they will be different programs are different between each university. They can kind of build them how they want. Um, So some dietitians are present in ROTC programs at other universities. Um, We just um, don't have one where we're at, but that's also not as uncommon. Um, That is Unfortunately common because the world of sports dietitians and tactical dietitians is fairly small, um, but hopefully going to see an increase in that eventually, um, just with the other interests when dietitians learn that there are settings outside of the hospital in the clinic, you know, you can work at universities, grocery stores, military bases, um, things like that. Yeah. yeah,
1: I remember, I think it was, it was in, oh man. It was our senior year fall semester. It was a class with Kelsey. I think it was one of our M. Um, ah, uh, was one of our medical nutrition therapies. It was our MNT classes where we had somebody come in from the military who was a dietitian. I don't know if you remember this, and they were talking about how they. One of the big things that they were involved with, it wasn't necessarily with ROTC, but they were in charge of ensuring that like all of the the MREs and things that the, um, I don't know, what's the proper term, cadets, the soldiers, the whatever the it's word is cool. when they go to boot camp, um, that all of the food that they were getting was still enough to give them good quality nutrients. Um, Cause he said that some research had pointed out that with some of the females that were participating, when you go through boot camp, you know, it's pretty rough. Um, you're working very hard. You might not be eating, you know, a ton. And again, there's some psychological training to go to that too. But at the same time, like we don't wanna be like causing harm <laughs> to any of these people too during their training. But I remember him saying something about how there was something that came up in some research that they were doing either him specifically or that he read about, about females having complications with iron needs, mm-hmm. um, because again, through like the menstrual cycle and all of that stuff happening. And then there was a lack of iron in the food that they were supplying. Of course there was iron there, but not like nearly enough to help kind of counter some of those needs. And so they were saying that, you know, when they did this one wave of, of a boot camp, um, that some of the the females are participating really struggled because they're like i just i can't like catch my breath i just feel really wiped out and they're like what what where does this trend kind of coming from like it seemed more extreme than before so so he was in charge of doing some of that research and was like that was a big a big learning piece because again yes, this is training. Yes. There's a psychological thing to it, but at the same time, we don't want to do a huge disservice to these, um, to these soldiers as well. So I thought that was really cool. I don't know if you remember that, but. Oh, definitely. I
0: don't know if I remember the,
1: <laughs> the military dietitian coming in. I was, hopefully
0: I was there that day. Sometimes I was gone with soccer, but <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I feel like I would have, I don't know, but anyway, mm-hmm. um, but no, that is interesting too, because if you think about it, females have much higher needs than males. So then mm-hmm. if they're creating a standard MRE, mm-hmm. you know, potentially, then you have to kind of weigh which, which recommendation are we going to go with the higher needs and then males are yeah. higher amounts, or maybe you go higher because females need that. Um, but that is interesting too. I've definitely read about that in um, just athletes in general and their consumption, um, based on male versus female, the difference can be pretty substantial since the needs are different.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I thought that was I thought that was really eye-opening. And just like another reminder, as you were kind of alluding to like with the degree of nutrition, you can you can do a lot. <laughs> you don't have to just be a dietitian in a clinical space, which Hama, I'm very glad our clinical rotations prove that point for me. Um, which is fine. If you're a dietitian out there listening to this and you love your clinical job, we need people like you. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, some people don't drive in the outpatient setting. Some people like more of the athletics. And so there's really a niche in every aspect you know when it comes to nutrition um you could work in a kitchen i know you mentioned at the beginning that you're not huge in cooking and <laughs> i know i
0: know i've weeded that out
1: yes i feel like i have a lot of people ask me questions of like well megan how do you cook this and i'm like i really appreciate that you're coming to me to ask me this question, but I have zero culinary training. I would just Google it. Like if you want me to Google it and do it myself and then tell you what I find, I am open to doing that, but just letting you know, like, right? I, <laughs> I know, have no idea. Cool. We,
0: I think it's similarly, if I remember right, like, I think you're similar to me. Like the science behind it is just so cool. Yeah, um, yeah. That I really enjoy. Um, but of course I wish I would want to create recipes, but I just don't, I don't really have <laughs> desired um mm-hmm. but yeah each dietitian is just so like diverse in their passions which is fantastic and yes the careers are um, unlimited really
1: mm-hmm. yes absolutely which is super super cool um how you feeling so far? Good
0: I might have gone on on fun a little few tangents
1: no, <laughs> this is. Packing. Trust me, when I am like taking this by myself, like when I did a digestion one a while ago, I was like, I feel like I got into the weeds in a few times. Um, I, I, was like, what? The I was like, oh, Meg. <laughs> I had some clients be like, that was super informative. I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad you fastened your seatbelt when I jumped down that hole, but <laughs> it's easy
0: to get down there. You know? Yes, There's a lot to it.
1: <laughs> Let's maybe talk just a little bit about your experience with teaching. And so like not only just educating athletes and nutrition stuff, but now you're like educating the future educators. Um, right. So, um, okay. So we'll go to 38, 26-ish. Okay. So Larry, you've done a ton of things so far. You went to Viterbo, you got your master's, you're in pursuit of your PhD. You've worked with athletes. You've worked on yourself. You know, doing your own nutritional things, um, and you you mentioned that when you were getting your master's that you were also teaching some classes. In was that in the actual nutrition program, or was this a different kind of um, setup at Ole Miss? So
0: this was the this was through the nutrition department at Ole Miss. So I was able to teach a basic nutrition course. Uh, my last semester there, which was really fun. Um, I did that along with the ROTC program planning, and then I also taught a class, and then I worked in the clinic, um, partial part time too as well. Um, but yeah, I got to teach a class this last semester, so that was really exciting. <laughs> um, so it was just a basic nutrition course. There were some diet some dietetic students, um, but others were you know marketing or business or. Not really, you know, nutrition, but maybe also medical, Um, you know, some trying to be dentists, um, I guess, (laughs) nurses, doctors, dentistry, those kinds of things. Um, So it was definitely a mix of students, but it was exciting to talk about the things I've learned in sports. But then also I got to kind of dig back through, you know the energy metabolism cycle, you know, old school, (laughs) literally life cycle nutrition and all of those things. Um, so we really got to go back to the basics of why we select food. Digestion was a unit absorption, the energy metabolism. Yeah. I'm like listening to the Krebs cycle on podcasts and just refreshing my brain and all of these things. I'm like, wow, I love nutrition, (laughs) but it's so fun to talk about. I had such a blast, um, doing it. So that was fun.
1: Yeah. So now of course you mentioned that you're thinking for the time being anyway, the future maybe with some things with ROTC, but if you really enjoyed this stint of teaching, like, are you not opposed to going back and teaching nutrition things too?
0: I'm not opposed. So also a nice thing about, you know, the PhD option, um, I'll be working with ROTC throughout my time there, um, at Ole Miss, but also having a PhD gives you the option to use it to teach eventually. Yeah, um, So definitely could see myself pursuing that option potentially, um, you know, or also taking the PhD other routes, whether that's, um, you know, long-term I see maybe tactical dietitian, but also private practice dietitian, just kind of keeping the options open really.
1: Yeah, that's super awesome. But yeah, that's cool that your nutrition class was open to other students outside of just nutrition, because I think it's one thing to give just like general population, you know, working with clients, working with athletes, nutrition information, because you're not necessarily getting so nitty gritty, but now when you're actually like taking a class, you can get nitty gritty. And sometimes we can get a little sucked into the details, but especially if it was more of a general one, if again, you had students from all different interests, um, coming in, I feel like that, that class for me, when I took it at UWL, that's like what kick-started my passion for nutrition and what wanted me to almost like switch degrees right away. But I had invested a lot of time and a lot of money in my exercise sport science. So it's like, let's see this through and we'll go back. Um, but I think I feel like and I've shared this with many clients too and I'm sure you'll probably agree that I feel like there should be like a life 101 class that is required for everyone to take and there needs to be a unit on basics of nutrition like What are calories? What are protein, carbs, fats, how to kind of roughly assemble a meal? Why is drinking water important? Um, you know, some of those basic things. So, but yeah, we could just go back and forth of like, man, I wish I would have knew this when I was younger.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's also during the class, we're like, okay, yeah, these are like basic things that are just helpful for your everyday life. And, you know, I try to always relate it back. Like, you know, everyone's like, oh, is this going to be on the test? And I'm like, I'm just trying to tell you this for your health,
1: right. <laughs> you <know? laughs> the test of life.
0: <laughs> and, uh, but no, it was, it was definitely such a fun experience. And I'm so happy to hear that, like that kind of class also like shifted your, you know, interest as well of like, Oh, maybe I want to be a dietitian. Cause that was also my goal. Like, you know, every, not a, like, a you know, major goal, but I'm like, you know, if I can inspire some of them to become dietitians, that would be, that would make me so happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. Yeah, of course too, just to give little tidbits of just how to live a a lifestyle of nutrition and nutritious habits, so.
1: Mm -hmm. Yes, because I mean, we have to eat and we have to do that for the rest of our life. So we might as well be a little informed on how we can make the best of that. (laughs) We're gonna
0: go out of style, we always need to eat.
1: Yes, yes. Oh, well, Lara, I have had a blast chatting with you thus far. Um, so to kind of tie up our session today, our segment today, I think you are the first person that I'm actually asking this of because this is the first time that I've had a podcast after I had this idea. So usually my nutrition program here at FLD is called nourish to flourish. And so I'll still say my tagline. So for those faithful listeners, don't you worry, I'll still say it at the end, but Lara, tell me about what you do to nourish your flourish. This can be nutritionally related or like just life related too. Ooh, I love that.
0: Um, I would say it's holistic, but I've also been such like a, I like to practice what I preach. So, um, you know, I try to take everything that I learn and tell athletes and individuals and try to apply it to myself, especially around sports, because obviously, you know, that's more of the realm I'm in. Um, So as a former athlete and trying to still be, you know, training like an athlete, how I can stay hydrated and eat, carbohydrates and a balanced plate and incorporate color into my diet, fruits and veggies and all the things. Um, I for sure tried to do the pre, post, during workout, all of those things um, into my practice when I train as well. But also just holistically, you know, nourishing my mind, my body, trying to take care of things like that is really important to me. Um, so just building some of those healthy habits at this time in my life to carry on, so
1: love it i love how you're walking your talk so that is so great that is so great so yeah i wasn't super specific what was that
0: sorry i wasn't super specific but that's
1: totally fine that is totally fine (laughs) well thank you again so much for being a guest on our podcast this week thank you for those of you who are listening now that you know better let's go ahead and do better so we can all be better